Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Hey, good morning. Thank you, praise team, for preparing our hearts for worship because we do indeed serve a great God. Amen. Hey, I am so glad to be here with you this morning, and if you are a guest, I am really glad that you are here with us because we have a lot of great churches here, and so we count it a privilege when we have a guest come and visit with us. So thank you for being with us. Wanted to let you know we do have our membership class coming up in just a few weeks on May the 7th, I believe it is, called Discover uh, Eastern Heights. It gives us an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better, gets gives you an opportunity to ask questions, find out a little bit more about us. It's at 5 o'clock on that afternoon. We won't keep you but for about an hour, and you can sign up using the tearaway strip on the bulletin, or you can call the office, or you can sign up online, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. We're also beginning a new series in a couple of weeks on May the 7th called The Fact Is. The Fact Is, and it's about things that you deal with in your life that maybe you necessarily don't like, but you really can't do anything about them. So what does God say about how we're to live like Jesus when we're going through those things that we don't necessarily like? And so we're going to be talking about the fact is. It's going to be a great series. I hope you'll invite somebody to come and join us for that. Well, last week, if you haven't received your email or had a chance to read it or not yet that we send out every week, and by the way, we send out one every week, and so if you don't get it and you'd like to get on the email list, just let one of us know. We'll be sure to get you on it. But we sent out the email showing that we voted last Sunday to move forward with the renovation of our children's building, and so we ask that you continue to sacrificially give toward that fund, as you've been doing already for several months. And as you can see, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we have a $75,000 goal. We're already at 72% of reaching that goal, all right? Well, we have a work day, as you've heard, coming up in just a few Saturdays, and so uh, we're not too many weeks away from moving back into the building, and the construction on the enclosure part is not going to prevent us from moving back into the building. We'll, we'll get in the building, then we'll do the, the structure outside, and, and uh, we'll just be going at it, right? And so uh, we will be giving you updates as we move forward with that, but we're already talking with the uh, construction people, and you know how that goes, uh, and materials and all the other things. So we'll give you updates moving forward and keep you updated along the process. But we are looking forward to that facility. And so thank you again for your sacrificial giving. And again, we are 72% there already of reaching our goal of $75,000. So it could be that God just has this thing already taken care of by the time it's completed. Amen? Wouldn't it be great? So you pray about your part in that. Well, because we are a church that believes in an incredible God like we talked about last Sunday, we're talking today about unstoppable courage. Because just like the first church and the first Christians, they needed courage to move forward and take the gospel to the lost. We need that same kind of unstoppable courage as a church to continue moving forward in the life-changing mission that God has given Eastern Heights. And so Paul, he would come along in a letter to the church at Corinth, and he would describe some things that were pretty fearful for him, things that he had been through as a follower of Christ. But most of all, he would consider them to be very discouraging because, see, that really is the opposite of unstoppable courage. It's not fear. It's discouragement. Did you get that? 
lot of times we think the opposite of courage is fear. It's not. It's discouragement. And so Paul would come along in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 25, and he'd say, three times I was beaten with rods. That's discouraging. Once I was stoned. That's really discouraging. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. And Paul would come along and say, you know what? Following Jesus is not for whims. It's really not. And I was told as a teenager, if you want to be somebody, if you want to be the tough guy, you just try to be a Christian on your high school campus. And they were right. It takes courage to be faithful. So Paul, we've been studying about him. He's, he's been in prison for two years. But now he's put on a ship and he's sent to Rome. And so it tells us that while trying to, they're trying to get to Rome, but they're trying to get there before winter starts because he tells us we ran into some terrible storms, some very high winds. Why? Does God tell you where he wants you to be and then he makes it hard for you to get there? Am I the only one that feels that way and asks that question? I mean, why does God allow things in your life to keep you from being who you think he wants you to be and doing the things that you think he wants you to do? What, what is, what's up with that? I think it's a great question. I think it, it's one that deserves an answer. We're going to get it here in just a minute. So you hold on to that question. We'll come back to it. Because here's what Dr. Luke says in chapter 27, verse 20. He says, The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. The sailors had no hope. Right? The soldiers had no hope. And the prisoners, they surely had no hope. There's only one person on the boat that had any hope, verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together. He's in chains. He's a prisoner. He calls all the crew together. This ought to be what the ship's captain's doing, but Paul calls them together and says, hey, guys, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and never left Crete, because that's what he tried to do. He tried to tell them this was a stupid idea. Sorry. You would have avoided all the damage and loss. So you got to love Paul. He's an apostle, but he just can't, he's like us. He just can't help getting a good I told you so in there, right? He said, I tried to tell you not to go. Verse 22, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more... God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. For I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. So Paul receives this word from God. And the thing he does, he, he, he gives an application to the revelation. And it's this right here. Guys, we need to keep up our courage. He says it two different times. He says, you know what, to everybody on the boat, don't let what we're going through keep you from being brave. And so as you're taking notes right here at the very top, this is the whole sermon in a nutshell, but no, it is not ending, not yet. But here it is, write this down. We need courage to grow through what we go through. Get it? We need courage to grow through what we go through. Because back to the earlier question I asked you. God never promised us smooth sailing. He really didn't. He never said it would be easy to be faithful. You see, a false assumption a lot of Christians have is that if we're just obedient, then God has promised us a life of convenience, and that's not the case. 
Matter of fact, sometimes being obedient makes life even harder. Have you noticed that? It was because Paul had been faithful that he was in prison for those two years. It's because he's being obedient to God that he's about to be shipwrecked. And he's out here in this terrible storm. See, here's the thing. Most of us have the faith to glorify God when we get to where we want to be. We go, woo! But the question is, do we have the courage to honor God through all the storms and the detours that we have to go through before we get there? That's the question. See, it's not hard to say hallelujah when you get to where you finally want to be. Hallelujah! You ever done that before? Yeah, we've arrived. That's the easy part. But do you have the courage to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you when you're going through the storms on the way there. Paul said, for example, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, and by the way, he's in jail again when he says this. He said, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. So see, he's been doing it for a long time. And now he's asking for something else to get the rest of the way there. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. See, here's the thing. You're going to go through storms. And some of these storms, you know what? They're going to be of your own making. Because sometimes you just make bad choices. And you know why? Because sometimes you're just dumb. And sometimes you're blatantly disobedient. And so sometimes the storm you're going through is going to be of your own making. But you know what? Sometimes it's because of other people's bad choices that you're going to go through a storm. That's why Paul was on the ship. It wasn't his choosing. Somebody else made the bad choice. He said, I tried to tell you not to sail. No, y'all had to go on and say, we got to go. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to go through some storms, folks, that just cannot be explained any other way except for the fact that this life is hard. And that's the only explanation we have. And so, here's, here's, you know, what happens out while you're on sea, that may not be your choosing. You don't get the choice when you're out there doing life, what comes along. What you do get to decide is if you're going to grow through what you're going to have to go through. That's the big thing. So let's keep reading. Because the surrendered life is going to take unstoppable courage. Not courage just for a moment but unstoppable. Acts 27, verse 33. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. Now, I'm going to tell you real quick four ways, and you're going, four, golly, come on. No, it's going to be quick. But four ways that Paul is going to talk about and show us the courage that we need to have unstoppable courage. Number one, down in our heart of hearts that God is always near, right? But we don't always recognize that God's near. the words of Psalm 10, verse 1. Oh, Lord, why do you stand so far away? doesn't hide, but it feels like he's hiding sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, Paul spent two years stuck in prison. At some point, one of those lonely nights, he had to say, God, why? Now he spent two weeks tossing his cookies at sea. How much more? I mean, you know, come on. Do you understand the courage that it took for Paul to get up in front of this group of people 
who were basically his owners at that time, and most of them unbelievers, and give thanks to God for what they're going through and to try to convince them that they're not going to die and to eat. And to, it said all hope had been lost. Have you ever been there? You ever been with somebody where they had no hope whatsoever and you're trying to convince them to have hope? It took a lot of courage for Paul to do this, folks. And just a few chapters later, the psalmist in chapter 16, verse 8 says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. So yeah, there's going to be those times where you say, God, where are you? And then there's going to be times where you realize God is right there with you. He never left to begin with. You see, Paul could see in his present storm. And because, you know, one of the reasons it's hard to see God in our storm sometimes is because God will choose to guide our journey in ways that we didn't see coming. Right? And so it may not feel like God is around when things come around that didn't go the way that we thought they ought to go. Right? Doesn't that make sense? I mean, for real. Who wants to go through a broken relationship that's just falling apart left and right? Who, who wants to go through that pain? Who wants to go through battling cancer? Who wants to go through losing a job? And we could go on. I mean, who wants to go through any of that stuff? And while you're going through all of that stuff and life is just smacking you in the face and you're sitting there praying, God, please help. And the whole time the waves just are coming and they're crashing over your head and it feels like you're drowning and every wave just keeps pushing you further and further. What about it? It takes courage to know God is present in your present storm. But second of all, it takes courage to believe God is present in our present storm. See, the last thing the crew wanted was another shipwreck. But that's exactly what they needed. And Paul says it's coming. And they started checking the depth of the water, and sure enough, they were getting closer and closer to land. And so the soldiers said, you know what? If we land, if we end up shipwrecked, all these prisoners are going to escape. We've got to just kill them all right now. Paul says, no, don't you do that. If you do that, everybody's going to die. And the ship's captain finally said, hey, you need to listen to this guy. He's been right so far. You need to listen to him now. So that's exactly what they did. They listened. The ship crashed just as predicted. And then the Bible says all 276, it numbers them. 276 people made it ashore alive. Not a single person perished. So let's read what happened next. Chapter 28, verse 1. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. And you're not going to believe this next part. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat. I told you, I got to preach the word of the Lord here. Was driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Now, if I'm Paul, I'm going, okay, God, I've been stuck in prison on trumped-up charges for two years. 
I've been sick at sea for two weeks. I've gone through this hurricane, thought I was going to die. Now I've been shipwrecked. It's cold. It's raining. And all I wanted was a fire. And now a snake has bit me on the hand. I mean, how much more, God, for real? I mean, for real, God, how much more are you going to pour on me? Because you see, Paul is about to face an even more difficult storm. The third thing we see is it takes a lot of courage to find your identity in what God says instead of what others say. It really does. And it's not only for teenagers. It's for us adults. See, he's got this snake who had evidently bitten him so hard, the fangs are stuck in his hand. So he's got this snake dangling off the end of his arm. And the people had a belief that snakes were put on earth to bite and kill bad people. And I'm not so sure they were wrong. Okay? But he's got this snake hanging off of his hand, and they're waiting on him to die. Look, I want to tell you something, folks. If it had been me, they wouldn't have standing around waiting on me to swell up and maybe die. I'd have died immediately of a heart attack. I look down, there's a snake hanging off the end of my arm with his fangs in me. I'm gone. I'm dead. I'm coming through the pearly gates, all right. They're swinging open wide, but I got a snake hanging on my arm. I'm telling you, I hate, ugh, hate those things. But Paul looked back and he said, you know what? Haters are going to hate, 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 so you just got to shake it off. Shake it off, right? Yeah, those words became a very popular hymn, brother. But here, here's, here's the thing, folks. People are fickle. They are. They're fickle. I mean, one day you're a murderer, the next day you're a god. One day you're awesome, the next you're a nobody. One day you're a hero, and the next you're a zero. But not God. God's not fickle. God is faithful, folks. He always is. But it takes courage to let our faithful God define. See, every preacher, including this one, we struggle with something called approval addiction. Because I can promise you, many sermons and every decision gets the media thing out there disguised as something else about what they didn't like about your sermon or your decision. I've had people tell me, they have, in the committee that called me here, some of y'all are granted right now because y'all knew what y'all were getting. But I've had people say, you know, I pray sometimes people don't get mad about what you preach about. Don't pray that. Don't you ever pray that. You pray that this preacher right here has the courage to continue to be bold to preach God's word and his truth whether people get mad about it or not. That's what you need to pray. But look, don't you think for one second that I don't like to get high scores on my approval. Because you know what? I don't like not being liked any better than the next person. It keeps me up at night. But you know what? The goal of my sermon each week is not to see how many likes I get. It's to call people to live like Jesus. And that's why I've always held the belief that I've got to preach the whole counsel of God's word whether I can live up to all of the counsel of God's word or not. Because listen, folks, if I only preach about what I can live up to, it's going to be a real short list and y'all are going to get bored in a hurry. I claim Galatians 1.10 early on in ministry. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant, nor would I be in the ministry. Now, I added that last part. 
Because the greatest battle any of us face is to defeat the need to give way to approval addiction instead of having God identify who we need to be and to do what we need to do. Fourth and final thing is this. It takes courage. And don't miss this, and this this is a big one. It takes courage to be who you should be when you're not where you want to be. You ever been somewhere that you didn't want to be? Now, if your in-laws are sitting next to you, don't get too excited, okay? You see, we've all been stuck on Malta. Remember Malta? Malta's the place you did not plan on going to. It's the experience that you wanted to keep from going through. And you may not be responsible for where you are, but what you are responsible for is what you do while you're there. Get it? See, Paul wasn't planning on going to Malta. That wasn't on his bucket list. He just wanted to get to Rome so he could have his day of court. So what do you do when you're where you didn't want to be? Well, I'm so glad you asked because it tells us in verse 7. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him. And laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, you think? And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. You see, when the, when the storm comes and the wind blows in your face and you're where you didn't want to be, you can pout, you can whine, or you can ask, who can I bless while I'm here where I'm at? Who can I bless in this mess? How can God use me here in this place that I didn't plan on being? I don't like it here. I don't like what I'm going through, but God, what can you do with me since I'm here in this place? Because get this, divine detours always lead to ministry opportunities. Now that's not in there, but you ought to write it down because a short pencil is better than a long memory, amen? Divine detours always lead to ministry experiences. Now I didn't come up with that, that somebody a lot smarter than me did, but I thought it was worth repeating. So, Just because you didn't plan it doesn't mean it can't fit inside of God's plan, right? Because, I mean, who in here knows the mind of God? Any decision we're going to make moving forward about anything, who knows the mind of God on it? So just because we didn't plan it doesn't mean it can't fit inside of God's plan. Remember a while back, Galatians 4.13, Paul says, Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news here in Galatia. Because, see... Paul didn't plan on going to Galatia. The only reason he stopped is he got sick. But because he did stop in Galatia and got sick, we have a church plant called the Galatian Church. We have the letter of Galatians that we still are encouraged by today, all because Paul did what he was supposed to do when he was at a place he wasn't supposed to be. And that's what God does. You see, getting where you want to go is not as important as being who you ought to be where you are. Y'all know about Corey Ten Boone. You've all heard the story about that missionary and her sister Betsy. They were assigned to a horrible slave camp by the Nazis, and somehow there was a Bible that got smuggled in. 
So while reading the Bible one day in this flea-infested barracks, Betsy says to Corey, we should thank God for all things. And so, Corey, we need to thank God for this place. Corey Tim Boone said, there is no way I am thanking God for this place and for these fleas. And Betsy said, yes, we are. Bow your head. <laughs> and so they were obedient. And they thanked God for the place and the situation that they were in at the time. Well, shortly after that, they started a Bible study. Would you believe that for the next many months that they would have that Bible study, it was never once interrupted by a guard, not one single time. And many women there came to know Jesus as Savior because of that. You know what they realized even later on down the road? In that camp, a woman in that particular barracks had been sexually assaulted. And you know why? Because of the fleas. Because God doesn't edit your itinerary for your pleasure. He does it for His purposes. And we need to get that. You see, I believe God looks down at our broken world and He sees a lot of lost kids out there. And so He says, you know what? I need a saved kid. I need one of my saved kids for just a minute. I just need to borrow you for just a minute. I need to put a detour in your walk and in your life because I need you to go over as one of my saved kids because I got one of my lost kids that needs you right now. Just for a little bit. And so next time that God sends a detour in your life, you need to realize that shipwreck that you didn't want is going to take you where God needs you to be. Because wrecks become revivals. And that's why we need courage to get back on the boat when we're shipwrecked. There are going to be shipwrecks, but we need to get back on the boat. So here's the takeaway. If you're taking notes, write this down. What you go through is not just about you. That angel showed up to Paul in the storm, told him this amazing thing. He said, Paul, it is amazing that because you are on this ship, everybody else is going to be saved. Because, see, I'm going to save you. Because I'm going to save you, I need to save everybody else too. Because you told them I would, so I'm, I'm going to do that. And that's exactly what happened. Everybody was saved. And so the storms, the shipwrecks, the maltos, they become pulpits for those with unstoppable courage because, see, God is never going to take you where He cannot use you. And remember that. You're where you're at because God can use you right there. The first officially recorded fatality of the tragedy of 9-11 was a Franciscan priest named Father Michael Judge. He was not only a priest, but he was a, uh, the chaplain for the fire department. And so when that happened that day, instead of running away from the fire, he ran to the fire to try to help people out. First officially recorded death was this priest. When they found his body, they found in his wallet, he had written down a prayer. It became known as Father Michael Judge's prayer. And it's these words. Take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me out of your way. So what's the boat that you didn't want to get on? The storm that you are so tired of going through and the Malta that you are hoping God will never ever send you to. 
See, we need the courage to say yes today to God's itinerary, whatever that may be. So I want everyone to bow your head right now. Just bow your head, close your eyes. Those that are watching online, listening, if you're driving, try to pull over right now and just get with the Lord for just a minute. Because I, I, I'm going to finish the prayer, but I want you to start it. Okay? And here's what I want you to do, just silently between you and God in your heart of hearts right now, is I want you to think about and to identify some part of your life right now where you need to be God's person in a moment, in a particular spot, or maybe in a particular place. But you need the courage to be that person in that place or in that moment. And right now you don't have it, so I want you to ask God for it right now in this moment. Ask Him for it right now, and then I'm going to finish the prayer. God, help us to be brave when it's hard to see or sense your presence. Give us the courage to believe when we're there. Are so many voices that are telling us who that we are. Give us the courage to listen to you when we're in that place that we were hoping we would never have to be. Give us the unstoppable courage we need to be the ambassadors of your grace as we leave this gathering known as Eastern Heights today to be life-changing for those who need the hope of the resurrected Jesus. And it's in his name we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.